active manhunt is going on for two inmates that DOC officers say escaped sometime overnight. Here's what we know. The two inmates were unaccounted for during the 5.30 a.m. bed check. They are convicted murderers. We're cutting into regular programming because of last night's prison break in Dannemora. Governor Andrew Cuomo has arrived in the North Country and is at the prison right now. More than 200 police officers are combing New York after officials say two dangerous inmates, David Sweat and Richard Matt, escaped from Clinton Correctional Facility in what's being called an extremely elaborate scheme. We have major breaking news to tell you about the search for the escape killers from Dannemora. As we understand from a source that is very close to this investigation, Richard Matt has either been captured or shot. We are here with good news, as I'm sure you've heard already. The nightmare is finally over. It took 22 days. Mr. Matt uh, is deceased and the other escapee, Mr. Sweat, uh, is in custody. He's in stable condition. I'm Will Saddleberg, and welcome to Aftermath, the show that looks at major historical events and asks, what happened next? It was the real-life Shawshank Redemption, a deadly prison break that had captured the attention of a nation and left a wake of destruction in its path. That's the story of convicted murderers Richard Matt and David Sweat, two prison escapees that kept a country on the edge of its seat during a 23-day manhunt through upstate New York. When the dust settled, Matt was shot dead and Sweat captured, while their co-conspirator Joyce Mitchell was arrested and charged for her crimes. It's a story that probably slipped into the back of your mind after the cameras turned off and the news crews went home. But over the next year, an in-depth report ordered by New York State would find that Matt and Sweat weren't masterminds. They were the lucky guys who discovered a broken system. And while these two men made their way through forests on foot, avoiding capture, it was the prisoners back home who paid the price. Cuomo today announcing that the Inspector General, Catherine Leahy Scott, will do a full investigation on exactly how these two men might have gotten out of this maximum security prison. It took New York Governor Andrew Cuomo nine days after the manhunt began to order an intensive report on what had gone wrong at Clinton Correctional. It took his Inspector General, Catherine Leahy Scott, a full year before she hit publish. The world had moved on between June 2015 and June 2016. The escape from Dannemora was one of the final major news stories to break in a pre-Trump world. Inspector General Scott's report was exhaustive, thorough, and damning, detailing the systematic failure that had allowed two men to escape from a maximum security prison. The extent of complacency and failure to adhere to the most basic security standards uncovered by my investigation was egregious and inexcusable. Unfortunately, it hit right as the 2016 election was coming to a fever pitch. No one was paying attention. A year earlier, after Matt's death and Sweat's capture, it looked like an open and shut case. These two men had spent months planning their escape, recruiting the help of prison seamstress Joyce Mitchell in January. Together, the two criminals used hacksaws smuggled into the facility by Mitchell to cut through heating pipes into a tunnel underneath the prison. When the coast was clear and the path was complete, Matt and Sweat made their move. Make no mistake, these men were intelligent from the start. Sweat went underground nearly 100 times to work on his escape route, and he wasn't caught once. This is to say nothing 
of Mitchell's own smuggling skills. Her ability to sneak contraband into the prison brought her closer to the two escapees, especially Matt, as she began to join in on the plan. But to view this story as an anomaly, two lucky inmates who were just smart enough to pull one over on prison guards would ignore the deeper rot occurring at Clinton Correctional. If not for the report ordered by the state, a direct consequence of the breakout in 2015, these employees would have continued running one of New York's largest prisons with the same lackadaisical attitude they had kept for years. Uh, still working through an investigation, how power tools were, were acquired, all that is ongoing. Uh, so to the extent there are lessons to be learned here, uh, fine, we want to learn those lessons. How did this happen? Are there any lessons to learn, any systems to change to make sure that it doesn't happen again? As one Department of Corrections executive had put it, the prison had developed a culture of carelessness. That's putting it lightly. Inspector General Scott's report found that virtually no process was followed correctly at the prison. Inspections weren't completed, nearly all contraband was missed by staff. In perhaps the most damning story within the report, Richard Matt smuggled six hacksaw plates taped to his body from the tailor shop while escorted by an unknowing guard. Though the duo passed by a metal detector, Matt was not asked to walk through. While this report did lead to improved inspections at the prison, it failed to gain justice for actions happening behind the scenes. In addition, we've conducted interviews with inmates, correction officers, contract employees, and anyone else working here at Clinton Correctional. I won't get into specifics on how these interviews went or who was interviewed or who wasn't. In the immediate days following Matt and Sweat's escape, correctional officers didn't turn their attention to their fellow guards. They looked to the other prisoners for information. These guards were angry, embarrassed, and desperate to rectify the situation. The state was spending nearly a million dollars per day trying to find two convicted criminals. And as far as prison employees were concerned, somebody had to know something. The night after Matt and Sweat were discovered missing, three officers lacking name badges came for Patrick Alexander, a prisoner in an adjacent cell block to where the escape had occurred. They handcuffed him and stashed him in a broom closet. They punched him. They bashed his head against the wall. The violence continued again and again as the guards asked what he had heard and how much he was being paid to keep his mouth shut. At one point, these guards threatened Alexander with waterboarding. It was the first of what would become a pattern over the coming weeks. Prisoners from the block Matt and Sweat were kept in would be abducted and tortured. One man who worked alongside Matt in the tailor shop passed out after a guard tied a plastic bag around his head and neck. Another convict was placed in solitary confinement. While he was there, officers threw out his belongings, including his wedding ring. In total, 71 complaints and allegations of abuse were filed by inmates with Prisoners Legal Services of New York. The association representing the accused correctional officers were blunt in their response, calling the allegations one-sided and dismissing the inmates as violent convicted felons. We don't have broom closets. We don't have a place that is secluded where inmates can be locked in or high or anything like that. Waterboarding, I mean, come on. We don't need to extract information out of anybody. 
because there's so many of them that will tell on, on each other. 71 reports of abuse, a thorough investigation conducted by the state, and more than 20 individual correctional employees named and noted for their failure in stopping the escape. In the end, no Clinton correctional employee aside from Joyce Mitchell and one other co-conspirator had criminal charges brought against them. Nine returned to work after being penalized. Two were suspended pending arbitration. One was demoted. The rest of the group managed to avoid being punished by resigning or retiring altogether. Those retirees still received their state pension, regardless of their action and inaction at Danamora. The state's report managed to shine a light on years of systematic failures and an overarching attitude of negligence that led to one of 2015's biggest stories. But it failed to truly grapple with how poorly prisoners were treated. It should come as no surprise the state failed to properly punish its employees for their actions against prisoners. Many in power failed to see convicts as human beings. It's an attitude that has continued in the six years since the prison break. I'm down there every night. I'm cutting the pipe. I'm doing the work. And all you do is sleep. The Showtime miniseries Escape at Danamora garnered critical praise, a Golden Globe, and six Emmy nominations. Yet that show, which used the state's report in 2016 as a basis, still ignored the physical abuse and torture that coincided with the escape. None of that violence made it into the show. A single moment in time can be affected by dozens of other events. A prisoner's wedding ring is thrown in the trash. A man passes out from asphyxiation. These are acts that are influenced by decisions made not by the individual, but by dozens of irresponsible prison guards and two men who managed to exploit a broken system for all it was worth. Many of the guards who oversaw the prison in the years leading up to Matt and Sweat's escape in 2015 returned to their jobs like nothing happened. Unless we're willing to look at these events as irrefutably bound together, history will repeat itself. The Aftermath cannot be ignored. Aftermath is a co-production between ANTP Studios and Inkwell Productions. I've been your host, Will Saddleberg. Special thanks to Michael Fahey, Dusty O'Connell, and Jeremy Dennis for scripting and research. You can follow us at AftermathPod on all social media to keep up with the show.